Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table, where in every episode, I try to bring a variety of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, uh, people who have jobs who are just entrepreneurial in the way they pull off those jobs, and people from all different types of industries. Now, if you've listened over the last month or so, you know I've had a couple of people from the specialty food world uh, and also consumer packaged goods world, and I find this business fascinating because how hard must it be to start a product that is sold in stores? I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin if I had the dream of, of selling a food product because you, you need to have somebody create it for you. You need to have it packaged. You need distributors. I mean, a lot of my friends are just solopreneurs. They're speakers. They're consultants. They're authors. There's not really a barrier to entry. So I've gotten really excited about these people who live in this specialty food world because to me, it just seems impossible. And yet there are people kicking butt and doing really cool things. And that's who today's guest is. So Alan Glustoff is the founder of Five Spoke Creamery. Now, I don't know, looking back at the now almost 400 shows that I've done, if I have ever interviewed a cheese maker, but I am going to tell you, I love cheese and I like all kinds of cheese. You can serve me a weird cheese and I'm going to like that cheese. Well, I may not like it, but I'm going to try it. And uh, I just think, you know, when I, I lost 30 pounds a couple years ago, there were some things I cut out of my diet. I decided cheese was not cheese and wine stayed on the diet because cheese unto itself is a food group. Actually, I think it is. But anyway, uh, Alan, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure so, to be here. So tell me about Five Spoke Creamery and how that came about. I love the fact that, that you've got a farm and you make cheese, but most people who listen to this might be saying, what? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, the name Five Spoke Creamery, um, it's because we're all about the bike and... Um, one of my passions was always riding a bicycle and it, it coincides with um, starting this company, which is uh, uh, a company where we make cheese. My wife and I bought a farm and um, I've been in the food industry, but I decided to give up the corporate end of it and really focus on one product that I really love, which is cheese. Uh, that's basically how Five Spoke Creamery was started 11 years ago. Um, to make things even more challenging, we make raw milk cheese. Uh, and we, we have a traditional below ground cave with wood boards. Now, while both raw milk and wood boards are legal, they're, they're sort of frowned upon by the regulatory environment <laughs> in this country. So that's challenge in itself. Um, and maybe we'll save that for another show. So, I'll, well, wait, let's just go, let's just go right there for a second. Does that make it, uh, does that make it more natural of a cheese and yet like more apt that something could go awry? Is that the reason why it's frowned upon? Uh, it, it's frowned upon because, you know, there's a perception that, um, 
everything has to be pasteurized or homogenized, uh, scrutinized, etc. Um, and there is some truth, uh, you know, in, in terms of practices that good pra- there's either good practices or bad practices, in, in my opinion. It's not about whether you're working with raw milk or pasteurized milk. So uh, I'm sure if you continue to talk to people in the package, um, you know, goods arena or food arena, you know, they'll share similar, similar thoughts. So what led you to buy the farm? I love the fact you say they buy the farm when it sounds like you died, but it's just the opposite. Yeah. It sounds like you were reborn when you bought the farm. What caused you to do that? You told me in our pre-interview that you were a food chemist. So obviously, if you were in that role, you worked for a much larger company. Uh, you probably had a pension and you know uh, benefits. What led you to say, I'm going to walk away from this and do my own thing? Well, there were a number of factors. Um, one thing is that I've always... Um, tried to keep an eye on what I felt were merging trends in the food industry. And uh, about 12, 13 years ago, um, you know, I noticed there was a lot more interest in what's known as the American artisanal cheese movement. Um, so luckily we got in kind of when it was emerging. Now there are hundreds of, you know, companies doing this, small scale cheesemakers, um, you know, producing unique cheeses that weren't seen in this country before. And the qualities improved as well. But um, that's one factor that led me to it. The other was, uh, you know, this, this sort of feeling that um, it's almost now or never, meaning, you know, uh, I, I'm still young enough, I still have enough energy, but do I really want to wait too much longer to do something that requires both, uh, you know, a lot of thought and uh, physical strength to keep it going. Well, and I think that's a common uh, common occurrence with a lot of people. Is a lot of people feel, yeah, they're doing well. They've, they've built good careers. But then they start to feel that their ladder is against the wrong wall. And they want, they want to go and pursue something like you did in, in the starting your own thing. So why cheese? I mean, you said, you know, you saw the trends. But was cheese like a favorite category of food all along? Did it relate to your food chemist days? But it is an emerging trend, but uh, it was easy for me to see it as a trend because it's a category that I passionately was following. I've always loved cheese. You know, uh, I think you said earlier something about if you had to give up certain foods, uh, it wouldn't be wine and cheese. Well, on that, we could certainly agree. You know, if you put me on a desert island, uh, those are the two I'd want to take with me. Yeah, I don't know if you could live forever on just wine and cheese, but I'd be willing to try if I had to. Exactly. So now that you've been doing this for a number of years, what do you love about the life of being an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I love is is the um, stimulation and and you know, and in a way, self motivation because there's no one there directing you, um, and um, uh, on the other hand, you're 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 sort of competing against yourself and you, and you want to do better because it's your company. And so you notice every little thing. Um, and it's also about finding the right balance, meaning, you know, not to be obsessed about it 24 hours a day, but making every minute count that you do work on. So what are some of the things that you learned going into this packaged foods business? I mean, what were some of the hiccups along the way? 
Oh, I don't think we have enough time to talk <laughs> all of those. Um, I, I guess the overall thing I, I learned is that, you know, I went in with the right attitude that is thinking that I could do, figure out almost anything. And we do figure it out. But sometimes there, there is a price, um, you know, to pay, meaning how long it takes. So, so for example, um, I decided not just to make some of the common cheeses that people know. We do make some excellent cheddars. But I wanted to bring back a cheese that actually the FDA had recently banned uh, from this country. It was brought in from France. It's called Mimolette. Um, and so I figured, I figured this is a great opportunity from France, but not to be made in this country. And they were bringing in millions of pounds. So I figured if I just have a small slice of that pie, I'm going to do well. The other thing, though, I, I realized with this cheese, it's one of the hardest to make. So, <laughs> so it took me quite a while to, to really get it down. A lot of failed batches. <laughs> So now that you've been doing this, you know, like I said, for a long time and you, you started your own business and you entered this, this food industry, which to me just seems so difficult. What advice do you have for other people who are saying, yeah, I have an idea. I want to go start my own business. So what would you, what would you tell someone if someone sat down and said, Alan, what should I do? Uh, I think I would start by saying, learn as much as you can about the business you want to be in. Um, you know, do as much, definitely write a business plan, as people say, do as much of a dress rehearsal, both figuring out what's required, what could go wrong. I, I think that's one key thing. Always ask yourself, what can go wrong if I do this? You know, at least know what, what the possibilities are and, and what you have to do to fix them. So did you have any mentors? Were there anybody who kind of helped guided you? Um, I, not directly, but uh, on the other hand, I, I, I give thanks to everybody I know. Um, that could be, like you said, this is almost like we're, you know, we, we just happened to meet <laughs> and, and have a nice conversation. So, so all the conversations I've had with friends and acquaintances over the years, I've, I've listened to what they had to say because ev everybody has, uh, knows what's worked or not with with what they're doing with their line of business and with their life so i pick up little things and i say well that that example that my neighbor gave me as a kid really applies today but no direct mentors so with with the farm that you have is only it's less than 60 miles out of new york city if i remember reading cor correctly i imagine that that area is being heavily developed how does that impact sort of what you do that the the, the city is encroaching on the on the farm. Does does that have any impact on the business, positive or negative? It, it it can. We are, as you say, like an hour from the city. So the plus is that the top chef, you know, consumers can come and see actually where their food comes from. Uh, on the other hand, there is development, and the locals like the fact that I'm the only person that actually started a farm in the last 10 years, whereas unfortunately most of them are closing up. And as you implied, the land is being sold for housing development. So we coexist. So it's interesting. You just said something that sort of resonated with me that most of the farms, especially if they're close to a major city, 
are being sold off and, and, and developed. And yet you started a farm in the last 10 years. That's something I, that hadn't really dawned on me. Sort of That's sort of the classic example of zig when everybody else is zagging. Do you think that having a new farm versus being maybe sort of a multi-family or multi-generational family cheese business, do you think that's an advantage to you? The, well, first of all, the farm had been around for over 100 years. It, had been, it hadn't been used uh, or occupied for maybe 30 years. So um, this is almost like the Wizard of Oz. I show up after the storm and, and try and fix it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the similarity or, or difference between the multi-generation farms is that, uh, or the plus, as, as you asked, is that, you know, I'm coming in fresh with a new idea. The other farms that have been around for 100 years uh, have to figure out what, to, what new product to do, how, how to tr- find a value-added product because they just can't make it milking cows. So that's actually very interesting because in my world, I'm, I make my living as a professional speaker. So I speak at conferences sort of across industry lines. And sometimes when I'm talking to an association or a company, they're like, well, wait a minute. You're not from our business. We're in the plumbing industry. You're, you're, you're not a plumber. Your dad wasn't a plumber. You don't know anything about plumbing. You know, how can you speak to our organization? And my argument always is the fact is I come in and talk about you know, I, I have a, a talk called The Paradox of Potential, and it's all about how people can find more of a path across the gap from potential to results. Because my, my sort of tagline for it is potential is not a solution. So what if you have, you know, potential if you're not doing anything? But one of the things I always say is the fact that I'm coming in with fresh eyes and I'm not a consultant who works only with, you know, farmers or, or lawyers or whatever. Actually, I think it's an advantage. So th- what you're saying is the fact that you come from a background that's outside of that actually set that you come from an advantage outside of that actually means that your fresh eyes and everything else means you can actually go and, and just no one's going to tell you you can't do it this way. In other words. Right. Right. Um, there, there is some of that. And, um, you know, whether there was or, or not, you know, that that's what I decided to do. Uh, you know, some people, of course, People that have been here for 80 or 90 years in their families are looking at this like, uh, you know, am I crazy to start this? But um, slowly but surely, you know, they they see the merits and uh, have been supportive. Um, In terms of this cutting in or out, um, that's life on the farm, too. You know, Internet (laughs) is an option when you're an hour from the city. Well, that's what I figured is, is for the listeners, our internet connection's a little spotty, but my editor is going to make this sound seamless. So you'll hardly know that we've had internet problems when you listen to this episode. So I was saying before that I talk about this whole issue about the gap between potential and results. So why do you think some people who start a business achieve results and other people who start a business don't have success? I mean, obviously you're around a decade of success, so you're doing something right. What has helped you succeed? Okay, one of the things, um, I think I'm pretty good at is um, it's all the little things that add up to, to lead to the big achievements. So I, I do uh, spend a lot of time in terms of detail, checking things, making sure they get done, uh, try not to take on. While I have a lot of ideas, uh, you know, for uh, additional projects or, or more cheeses, I, I try and focus on the key elements first. 
So that's great. So I've actually got a couple of more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work that I hate. And that way, all you have to do is focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Alan from Five Spoke Creamery. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Alan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing right now with your company? Well, I speak about something called the art of possibility. You know, is it possible that that I could have this idea to take a, a obscure French cheese and actually make it and have it uh, achieve success in the marketplace? Um, so for me, the, the coolest thing is is making this happen. It's, it's all the everyday little things that uh, the successes, the uh, setbacks that go into making it happen. Um, the other thing is, you know, our, our company uh, sort of has a mission. You know, it's, it's, it's to leave the, the land we're on literally in a better place than when we received it. Uh, so to that end, we're, we're 100% solar powered. And, um, you know, and on that to, to increase the, uh, the quality of the land. That's awesome. A hundred percent solar power. That's unheard of, isn't it? Um, I, I guess so because most people do use, you know, uh, some of the, um, electricity off the grid. And, uh, as we grow that, you know, may not be a hundred percent, but right now it is. I think that's awesome. So who do you admire out there in the world of entrepreneurs? I think entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people who do you, and maybe it's in the food industry. Maybe it's somebody else. Who do you look at and say, yep, they're doing cool stuff. Um, you know, I look at a number of companies, not necessarily individuals. Um, and, um, no, so there are a number of uh, cheese companies, other food companies that I hear about. But to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, kind of focused on what I do. I, I, I see great products. Um, you know, I, I talk to the leaders, but you know, there isn't really one one person that you know really stands out. I, I don't. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really a TV watcher at all. Um, I, I'm more more likely to be outside, you know, observing what's going on around me. Awesome. So my last question for everybody is, and, and this might go back to what you were talking about, about being 100% solar powered, but I love to know what people do that sort of motivates them as an entrepreneur and, and the way they give back or serve the greater good. Well, okay. What, um, you know, what we're trying to do, and, and this goes back to the product and what we're doing with the land. So, you know, we feel strongly that uh, raw milk products have, a, have some really great health benefits that have been lacking in our society for many decades. Going back to the land and the solar, 
every year we do try and do expand on it. So uh, this year we're, we're launching what's, um, uh, what's known as a pollinator project. In front of the solar panels, which run the equivalent of several city blocks, we're planting flowers and we're bringing in bees. And then we're gonna monitor the activity of the bees in the nearby fields, which should help increase production. So this is an example of what I mean by hopefully leaving the land. If, you know, I disappear tomorrow, someone picks it up and say, wow, this place feels and seems and acts, you know, a little better than it was 10, 20 years ago. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, bees, I, that's a huge issue is what's going on with the bees. So I think that's, I, I kind of think that's cool unto itself that you're doing that. And hopefully uh, you will make an impact on the surrounding community with that work. Hey, Alan, so where, if somebody wants to try your cheese, where does somebody, how does somebody get a hold of Five Spoke Creamery? Where are you distributed? How do they get a hold of it? Well, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> oh, I always ask. <laughs> no, geez, I'm kidding. <laughs> We are national, and in most of the specialty stores like uh, Whole Foods, uh, Stop and Shop, uh, Wegmans, all the independent cheese shops, um, you know, many fine restaurants carry it. So um, if you can't find it, just go to our website and, and write us, and we'll we'll find a store near you. And And what is that unique French cheese you're making? What's it called again? Okay, it's based on a memolette, and we call our version Harvest Moon. Okay. I will, I will go in search of that just because it interests me. Uh, we've got a cheese shop here in Austin, Texas that we are huge fans of called Antonelli's. And oh, yeah. You know Antonelli's? I, I just met the other. Yes. So just a few. Great store. It's, it's a great store, and you go in, and they have these cheesemongers who they'll let you sample cheese. They'll walk you through things, and my daughters love it when we entertain. Uh, we'll take them to Antonelli's, and they'll get to pick all the cheese, and they'll make a cheese tray as sort of the hors d'oeuvres. So uh, I'm going to go looking for, uh, for five-spoke creamery at Antonelli's probably uh, next week. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you today. And it's five spoke, the, uh, your website is the, the number five spoke creamery.com. Is that right? Correct. Awesome. Yes, it so, well, thank you so much for being a guest here on the show. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, now I've got a big hankering for like a, a unique grilled cheese sandwich. Something I did the other day to surprise my wife and kid is I went to Antonelli's and bought a bunch of strange cheeses that would melt well. And I made like six different kinds of uh, five different kinds of grilled cheese sandwiches and cut them into quarters. And that's what we had for dinner. Wow. That's that's one of my favorites as well. Well, Thank you. I, I had a lot of fun today, so uh, let's uh, hopefully do this again. Absolutely. Again, thank you for being on the show, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Thanks for part being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do family. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter, at uh, Cool Podcast on Twitter. Of course, on Facebook, it's Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You can find me on all the social medias, at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, and uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Alan. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. And go eat some cheese. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.